It's a new year in Dubtown, and time for a new blood card to be filled in by one and all. The attendants will be handing out blood cards for everyone. These must be filled in as soon as possible and signed by your two favourite elders. Don't all pick that one elder that visits people in hospital. And it's important to make a bunch of copies. Make sure the secretary gets one, so we all know who's been obedient. And give one to your doctor. Uh, Jeff, don't give one to that disfellowshipped person. She has been handed over to Satan and doesn't qualify. Oh, hello and welcome to JW Podcast. Oh, spoilers. What could today's podcast be about? Well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to introduce a new co-host first, and that is Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So, rumour has it that you're pretty cute. Is that true? Uh, That's what they all say. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know about that. that Is that what they all said yesterday in London? Uh, no, no, my wife was with me, so I had to behave. But no, no, oh, no, obviously you had to behave, but nobody else did. <laughs> They're not all like you, Lou. Okay, so was it good fun? Yes, it was great. We went to the British Museum for a uh, tour with an ex-Jehovah's Witness who was wonderful and showed us lots of nice artefacts. And it was good because it, uh, it was kind of showing where some of the things that Jehovah's Witnesses believe were not entirely accurate so if anyone wants to go on a tour it's uh it's really worth doing yes d d d richardson thank you <laughs> <laughs> now you've made me sound stupid because i was gonna say i can't pronounce his surname but he spells it differently online so oh does it yeah got it right. <laughs> see no you got it right steve richardson does the tours and they are very good aren't they they are amazing and he's a really nice lad and it was really good because we had obviously there was a lot of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses there we went to the pub after for a nice meal and there was supposed to be about 20 of us but there was nearer 40 so it was uh, a full house holy moly I hope we get that money for the protest (laughs) (laughs) well I've told at least 40 people to come (laughs) oh that's great now what could our podcast be about today are you as excited as I am I'm super excited because this is one of my favourite YouTubers and it's a series of videos that I've followed from the beginning and I can't wait for the next episode and I think everybody needs to be aware of it because it's great. Okay, let's introduce him, Kevin McFree. Hello, Kevin. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Great to be here. Ah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. So I don't know you from Adam (laughs) and I think that's how you'd like it, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, not me, specifically. Yeah, that's kind of where I am at the moment, just hiding under the radar. Well, that's interesting, because for somebody who's hiding under the radar, you're doing some really funny work online. So you are the author of the Lego Dubtown videos. Yeah, I am. And we'll put links to those when we publish the podcast. But if I could ask you first, what is your kind of history with Jehovah's Witnesses then? Yeah, well... Third generation, Jehovah's Witness, born in, and parents are still uber dubs. My dad's been an elder for over 40 years. I was baptised at 15, which was kind of the normal rite of passage age in my congregation to do what was expected of you. And then straight out of school, I pioneered for a while while enjoying a double life. <laughs> and uh, and it's, I suppose towards the end of my illustrious career, I was a regular pioneer elder a few years were you yeah i uh, uh interesting thing about when you're an elder and a pioneer you're like the cream of the crap you get you get all the phone calls you get all the invitations to do parts on the circuit assemblies the district assemblies to do bits on the annual pioneer meeting the elder schools all of that jazz and when you're in that kind of position the conditional love is set to max mm-hmm. just just to give one little example I always remember visiting a guy to try and encourage him. And his mum came in, looks at me, and she sticks her nose up in the air. And then this, the guy says, well, this is Kevin, <laughs> Kevin McFree, obviously. He's one of my elders. Well, she changed in a heartbeat. You know, oh, Kevin, lovely to meet you. <laughs> and so I suppose as an elder, it's easy to buy into the idea that it's a loving organisation because everyone's loving to you if you're an elder in a pub. But coming off being a, an elder pioneer, is kind of a rude awakening to the conditional love. Yeah, so how did that happen then? I just, I think, I suppose it was some sort of 12, 18 month 
time period, I just stopped pioneering, then stopped being an elder, just completely burnt out by the whole thing. But people change immediately. You know, every appointed man, minister or servant, elder, they all backed off. Nobody had anything to say to me anymore. And no more phone calls, obviously. <laughs> and And so you just really feel that sharp contrast of how conditional the love must have been in the first place. Otherwise, relationships would have stayed the same, wouldn't they? Yeah. How many people threw their daughters at you? <laughs> uh, well, I wasn't an elder at that point, but... Oh, no, but when you were an elder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, well, that was generally only for backroom confessions. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I suppose. And, and when you come off being an elder and a pioneer, you've got all this time on your hands. And you think, I'm going to I'm going to do some of those study projects that I always wanted to do that you just don't have time to do. Or you're just thinking about the next meeting. And that was another part of the huge awakening when I suddenly did proper study. And the answers I f- was finding in Watchtowers made no sense or contradicted what they'd previously said. And so I had to start looking at elsewhere for proper answers. So you burned out first and then you started studying and then you woke up. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fairly long process. I mean, even at that point, I wasn't on the Internet searching for dirty apostates. No, <laughs> like me. <laughs> but uh, the, there was another family member where we would look forward to the latest watchtower coming out so that we could rip it to pieces and, and just highlight how ridiculous it was every month. So are you... Are you um... And it's none of my business, really. Are you disfellowshipped? I'm not. No, I'm. I'm. St- I'm still. I'm still a, a stumbled, lost sheep at the moment. It's, it's deeply missed. Chris and I <laughs> didn't know whether we could speak to you or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not disfellowshipped, you can't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have made it an awkward interview, because I would have just had to write my questions down and hold them up as flashcards. <laughs> was what did you think to yourself do you know what i've always wanted to do lego videos but <laughs> <laughs> well, he had all that time on his hands <laughs> well i there, there was a point that i did want to put something on to youtube but obviously it couldn't be my face yeah and uh there's a there's a website a, a channel i wrote it down and it's all one word kingdom hall of jw's you probably don't recognize the name, but you'll recognize the videos immediately. It's the, the cartoon animation of the life of a JW, the public talk, the field service, the watchtower, all of those. And it's just brilliantly funny and brilliantly true. And I got a lot of sort of re- laughter relief out of watching it and the ridiculousness of it all. And I thought, I want to do that. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny, isn't it, really, when you look back and you start looking at the rules and the regulations and how you're treated, it is absolutely ridiculous how they treat people. Um, and it's so good for, uh, like, I, I appreciate your videos. I'm not seeing the videos you just mentioned. I'll have to have a look at those. But um, your videos especially are, because it's humour where there shouldn't normally be humour. You know, it's a terrible situation and it's, they, they do terrible things and make people feel awful, and yet there's still comedy to be had there, and I think that really helps people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's really good. And to be honest, I found that with, with your channel, Louise, uh, when I first started looking eventually, it was actually after the Royal Commission is when I started looking at other YouTube channels, because I watched every minute of that, and that kind of led to other things in the recommended columns. <laughs> and uh, I found like Mark Cora was almost the first ones that I found and watched all their stuff. But even watching other people's videos can just get a little bit too much after a while. But finding your channel, you know, the stand up for Jehovah <laughs> was just taking the mic of everything was just, but it, it was still kind of serious and true. The points that were being made, but still very funny. That was like free therapy. <laughs> well, humour is therapy. So when I woke up, properly i did about a year's worth of binge watching and and um i i thought that kingdom hall of jehovah's witnesses thing that's the australian guy isn't it that, that yeah, does the little yeah. thing. he's absolutely brilliant he wasn't around when i 
woke up so there was nothing funny at all and i agree i, I like absorbed everything and thought this is all amazing but i thought oh god isn't it depressing everyone so, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, everyone's so miserable and everyone's so angry and everyone's so not necessarily angry but just like it's like a real misery fest isn't it and in it the is, end yeah. at the end of a year i thought this is like stuff to slit your wrists by really <laughs> <laughs> there was one guy that made me laugh called oh god what was he called the snarky apologist in american chat and he's a christian but he's really funny and um he just made me fall about laughing and i thought there's a gap in the market here and it's and it's to laugh <laughs> yeah. and the other thing that made me do comedy was um, because i'm a te because i'm a was a secondary school teacher kids are really brutal and one of the worst things they can do is just laugh in your face and as an adult you're like stop stop laughing stop laughing and there's nothing you can do you can't grab hold of it and and it makes you feel about two centimeters tall and i just thought when you laugh at someone it makes them feel really small and i thought that's what we need to do <laughs> yeah. watchtower is just make them pathetically small if you've ever seen like teenagers out on the street like laughing at an adult it's so <laughs> frustrating because however dignified and sensible and grown up you try to be they can really undercut you with their childishness yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of where i was coming from learned it from my brutal students <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been making your videos kevin just since last summer, maybe end of July, August time. I, I did start off trying, because I, I, I've always loved animation and doing that kind of thing anyway. But there's a reason Disney films take several years to make. You know, one minute of footage is just such a long process. And so I thought, if I, if I want to be able to produce stuff fairly regularly, I'm going to have to rethink this. And, and I'd always fancied having to go at stop motion. So I thought, I got a camera. Let's do it. See what happens. It is amazing. Me and my partner were saying the other day, "My God, how long must this take him? It looks like it takes absolutely ages. How long does it take to do about a five-minute video?" Um, I probably take sort of two or three days working on a a script. Sometimes a week, a week working on a script when I just can't get it clear, and and then maybe four or five days of doing the videos. Yeah couple of hours or so every evening that's probably 10 times that but it feels like a couple of hours how do you fit your window cleaning in between that? <laughs> <laughs> so with the dovetown i mean do you have it set up permanently in a room is it, it, it is yeah awesome that's really good that beats the train set yeah it, that i had to have at where i could just stop walk away and come back and it's yeah. exactly where it was which is generally what happens unless the cat decides that's a great place to sleep oh. Are you going to do tours? Because me and Chris would like to come and do a tour around you. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see it. I'm a Lego fan. <laughs> I, I had considered doing that, actually. Just a, maybe a, a sort of behind the scenes, <laughs> you know, Dubtown Studios. Oh, yeah, you could do outtakes, couldn't you? But it'd take you as long to do an outtake. You'd <laughs> exactly. have to script yeah, it and problem. set it up. <laughs> I'd have to bring one of my Lego men around and be an extra in the background of one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't bring Darth Vader though. Like, how did you have to buy loads of? Cause you've got like a whole congregation, aren't you? And well, the thing is that I literally had not a single Lego brick last time. This time last year, nothing. And my son-in-law said, "Oh, you can have my childhood collection." And so that that got me going, and and just been looking on second-hand websites and things regularly to get bits and pieces I need. And my son-in-law is more interested in Lego than I am, and he regularly brings me bits that he's decided that I need. So I keep that. <laughs> it's just built up very, very quickly. I do love about it. So the uh, the way you portray the elders is brilliant. For anyone who hasn't seen it, wolves' heads on all the elders. I think that's absolutely superb. <laughs> yeah, they they were the first two Lego figures that I went onto eBay to buy. They absolutely have to have two wolves. I couldn't have a whole body of elders of wolves because that's just too much money. They don't deserve that. But <laughs> I thought I'm going to have two wolves and Derek and Roger are, are regular visitors to Dubtown. And I, do you do all of the voices? I know there's some female voices, so that's obviously not you. But the yeah. elders, are they are they your voice? And... I do all the male voices, yeah. Because I, I, I do like, I think it's Roger, the one with the uh, slight lisp. Yeah. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant voice. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a demo. <laughs> yeah, we have a, we have a cat. 
We have a, a Camp X Bethel yeah. brother and a, and a and Wadja who can't, <laughs> who can't <laughs> pronounce all these letters. Where do you get your ideas from? Um, a lot of them come from just life experience. And sometimes they come from people on social media. They'll be like, you know, why don't you do this? <laughs> and so, and of course, Watchtower provides no end of easy material every time they speak. And open their mouth, they provide something. Absolutely. Yeah. I suppose, I uh, don't suppose the pillow one will come up next, will it? <laughs> it absolutely is next, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, uh, somebody going to Bethel was on my list of things to do, and he's been bumped right to the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with the governing body. I mean, this is pretty much what's got me speaking out a little bit. I mean, I, I was much like you, Kevin. I wanted to be a little bit discreet and not really be seen uh mainly because i've still got family that are in uh, the organization but obviously the more i learned about some of the problems going on uh there there was just the need to speak out i mean the organization wants us to go quietly and i know different circumstances mean that people can't speak out i think it's amazing that you found a way of encouraging people and keeping it light-hearted as well while keeping yourself you know, in a good position with, I presume, its family. Yeah, it's just a difficult thing. So I was going to do some YouTube videos myself, but I've decided that just for now, um, I'm going to keep a little bit more discreet, but at the same time, it's it's time to speak out over all the problems that are going on. But like you say, the governing body, every time they speak, it makes it just so much more ridiculous. And they, they're helping us more than themselves. You know, I think they're, they're going to be their own downfall, really with all the crazy things they say yeah i just don't have enough time to keep up <laughs> with yeah. all the nonsense it's almost old news by the time i get to do it because you, you hear something you're like, oh, i want to do that and then everyone's completely covered it to death by the time you have recorded five thousand pictures of it <laughs> yes but nobody's covered it to death in a comedy lego way no exactly i've got my own angle haven't i yeah yeah, yeah, you massively have got your own angle. And I think even though other people might have done commentary on different things, I think having a comedy version of it is really powerful because pe- people do get frustrated and upset when they see the, the nonsense. Because apart from anything else, you think, oh, my God, I used to believe that. It's so embarrassing. It's so deeply and acutely embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, you'd be, you'd be going, oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh, yes, pillows, I won't be... I won't be sleeping with pillows anymore. I'm going to sleep with a brick under my head like the ancient Israelites did. (laughs) Yeah, they'll be straight in the skip, won't they, this week? I admire how prolific you are with your material because when I started doing my um, Katie Kitten stuff, just ideas were spilling out of me. And then I just reached a point where I thought, I've said everything. Yeah. (laughs) And I... And I'm, I kind of thought, you know, I don't want to generate content just for the sake of generating content. No, no. Because that's when you stop being funny, I think, or being relevant or whatever it is you're trying to be. If you're not trying to be funny, you know, if you're just trying to... There's a point where... Just tell a story, isn't it, really? Sometimes it's funny. Yeah, and I think if if you have to generate content, you reach a point where you, you're grasping at straws and you're just sounding indignant about things that are just like oh there's a new governing body member oh, i just think so what that's how a company yeah. runs one person drops out another person steps up it's not exactly anything to get overexcited about i personally wouldn't comment on something like that because that's just normal stuff yeah but there is i mean yeah funny stuff is great well the thing is because it's a, a fairly slow process for me I'm sort of confined to only putting something out every sort of 10 days to two weeks. And so I can't just blur everything out <laughs> in the one go, which allows me to, like with the Pillowgate thing, it allows me to listen to what other people have said and to absorb it myself and take my time over it. And by the time I've released it, I've, I've not said something and think, oh, I wish I could do that again. That's still pretty prolific, though. I want something every two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's quite a lot of material. And you must be doing it non-stop. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about it every day. <laughs> Not necessarily doing something every day, but I was making shops today. <laughs> I've, got, I've got three <laughs> little shops. I can't remember. Let me see if I can f- I'll find you the names. I've got I've got um, Shack of Sit Furniture Showroom. <laughs> uh, we have uh, 
Minion is now living if you know directors. Think, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> thinking outside the box since 1925. <laughs> and uh, we have one of my favourite lines is Bob Lob Law, attorney at law. <laughs> but I also have loveyourpillow.com, which is going to feature her. Oh, wow. <laughs> this <laughs> that's classic do you get feedback from people who aren't jw's because i have some people watch listen watch my comedy videos who have like like just um somebody that goes to running club with my partner who's never been or she'll send it to her sister and then they go oh it's really funny and i think how do you even get that it's funny yeah how do you relate yeah but quite a few people do do you think there must be other people watching your stuff that aren't jw's there are one or two i've made assumptions about and then they're like oh no i've never been a jehovah's witness i'm like oh okay <laughs> but um most people are either ex-jehovah's witnesses or the odd one or two zealot comes into the gym oh yeah do you get any abuse surprisingly i don't i've had one or two but somebody recently went through and watched every single video and commented negatively on every single video <laughs> <laughs> You'd think they would stumble across one, say something snidey and leave, but no, they watched every single video. Yeah, yeah. Secret fans, aren't they? Yeah. I'm like, thanks for the views. Yeah, yeah. So bad I had to watch them all to make sure. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I was outraged the third time. Yeah, I was going to be like Elijah and have a a bull come and rip me to pieces for my, my words. I get personal abuse, so not so much about the content, but just like, Oh, you fat. Oh, right. Well, that's because you're a woman. It's, oh, well, and I suppose it's because they can see my face, whereas nobody can give you personal abuse. No, no. No. You can call me, call me yellow, I suppose. But. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were a Jehovah's Witness, did you generally find things funny? I mean, were you kind? did the funny side of you always be at odds with the... Yes. And I would often see something and see it as ridiculous and, and joke about it. And and people would just stare at you like you you're an apostate. <laughs> Uh, don't you see how funny this is? No. <laughs> it's food at the proper time. It's difficult being a witness with a really good sense of humour because a lot of stuff is funny, even when you're in, and you're kind of not mocking it in a nasty way. You're just laughing gently at it, but yeah. religious people don't really have a sense. They're right earnest, aren't they? It's like a humour bypass. We have to be serious and take our assignment seriously. Well, they've got to be happy, but, but, yes. not, but not humorous, which is a, a tricky one. To, it's very Ned Flanders, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing that you're UK. Did did you ever like find the costume dramas really funny? Because I, I am from up north. We used to relentlessly take the Mickey out of those, like quite a lot of us, because <laughs> of the American accent. Like, yeah, who do they think they are? Blooming Yanks coming over here, making us listen to their stupid dramas. <laughs> well, I got to direct one one year, and it was just the weirdest thing we'd been rehearsing for weeks and weeks and weeks and then they sent us the official cd with the audio on it and all of a sudden all these people in my congregation with this ridiculous accent i mean this this legit american accent and but it just sounds really weird on the face of someone that shouldn't sound like that yeah so why wouldn't you do an english one it's just audio that's what i used to think why do they not just do an english one because i found it quite alienating <laughs> it was very distracting actually the the accents i think you know it, it wouldn't take much to do an english speaking one i mean there's no. three of us here on skype and we're talking freely i mean i know they didn't have the technology necessarily back then but it must have been so easy to do and i think people yeah. if there was anything you could really get from it i think it would need to be in your native tongue um but i don't know even if they did speak english the big fake beards would probably be quite a distraction <laughs> anyway do you we should offer to do English versions of the dramas. I think they should just play Kevin's Lego videos. To be honest, I think they're very educational. <laughs> I did. A- I did actually want to do sort of Bible stories, stories from the Bible stories books, which are generally horrific. I did want to sort of reenact them with sort of a different slant on them, but it's it's difficult getting people with beards in Lego, and it's difficult getting animals and <laughs> things like that in Lego. But it's still on my to do list. Hey, do you need people to look out for different Lego things for you? I mean, shall we put a call out now? You list what you want and we'll... <laughs> I've got Lord of the Rings covered in the Lego and it looks a bit like Noah could, I suppose. I suppose, you, yeah, I've got... A, yeah, I do have a Gandalf, but that's, yeah. that's about... Uh, and Santa Claus is the only two people I've got with beards. <laughs> 
Do you think you're going to get reach the point where you have to paint your own faces? <laughs> well, I actually, I just bought a Kevin McCree Lego figure to use in, in some future things, and he's got his own little little body with the little cap on it with follow Kevin on it. So. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Well, it's come to that time in the podcast where I have to ask you what your favourite clip is, Kevin. Well, I was, I was thinking about this for a couple of days, and actually it's horrific for me to look back and watch them I, I, I hate watching them because every time i look at it i think oh look how bad that is you should have done this you should have done that better and so generally i don't like looking back but the, one of my favorite ones is episode three because i just love taking look at the elders where they you got the, the the two elders on fornication watch oh yes <laughs> looking out for sister bonkeisha to see what she's up to Okay, I think I've got episode three. I think I've got the clip. Right, okay, here we go. The spiritual police must be ever vigilant. Uh-oh, what's this? Looks like Kevin is paying an extended visit to Sister Bonkeisha, and he's not there to clean her windows, and they're all alone together. Quickly, Roger remembers his training, and the need for two witnesses at all times, so quickly calls round for backup. One, two, one, two. Any spiritual police in the vicinity of Crutch Crescent, please come quickly. We have possible fornicators. Repeat, possible fornicators. Over. One, two, one, two. Wadja, wadja. This is Derek. I'm on my way. Hey, that was really good. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> that brings up, actually, that brings up a really interesting point that um, when they do have um, a sniff that they think someone's fornicating, they can disfellowship you straight away. They don't really need any witnesses, let alone two witnesses. Yeah, they can just have... Um, if they know that you're in somebody's house and you stay there most of the night, that's all they need, circumstantial evidence, which is ridiculous when you think about child abuse and how they don't do deal with that properly, and yet with somebody fornicating... They'll do that on circumstantial evidence. Or, or even not fornicating. You know, yeah. Like your car's parked outside the house. That's yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. Giving Jehovah a bad name. Because people will assume what's going on. So you still have to be punished. <laughs> but, you still have to be punished. But I like that that episode because elders are wolves. They are spiritual police. They are obsessed with people having sex. So I, I had a lot of fun making that episode. And people still want to know what happened to Bonkeisha. <laughs> Is she coming back? Did she, Well, does she get disfellowshipped? Um, she was. I don't think she was in that episode. But she, but she had to stay away from from the fella. Do you have to keep like a? Do you have a continuity note? <laughs> I do have to go back and go. What accent? Oh, he's Scottish. Oh, better do that again. <laughs> or, or yeah. What, what was that? That boy's dad's name. And yeah, I have to go back and watch it again. You're gonna have to start doing a written record of you, aren't <laughs> you, and your characters and things and like accent. I'd, I'd have a spreadsheet on that, Kevin. <laughs> you are an amateur. I'd have all that in Excel already. <laughs> I have to remind myself, and and sometimes, if I, especially if I'm doing Scottish accent, I'll have to write the script like they're from Glasgow. If you've ever seen somebody on social media from Glasgow talk, and they talk, they they type like they talk. <laughs> but that was the other thing I was going to ask. Do you find like when you write a script, the the written word is really different to the spoken word, isn't it? So when I I write all, I script all my comedy videos out. But you have to script them as you say them because you say them really differently to how you write. Yeah. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, when you are writing sort of grammatically correct and everything, it's completely differently, different to how people speak. And I often find that I'll write it out and then I'll go and film it and then I'll go, that just is just laborious or it's just taking too long or it doesn't make sense. And so. It all just gets condensed down even further. Yeah, I found that when I scripted stuff and I'd say it and it looks funny on paper and when you say it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not funny at all. You had to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got to go, oh, no, I literally, I only had one joke in ten minutes there. I was desperate. <laughs> <laughs> 
nobody <laughs> nobody knows that you're doing this in in the people that know you as a real person um there's a few people that know <laughs> a very tight circle of people that know maybe um four six, about six people know is that a leaky ship for you is it dangerous or i'm i'm fairly confident with, with the six yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> But you must be itching for people to know, because it's really, really good. Yeah, there's a well, there's a there's a family member that I was I was with yesterday, and I was I was dying because something came up in conversation that just would have lent itself to saying, "Wow, you should watch my video," <laughs> and I just couldn't. Uh, yeah. No, that's tough. So, um, how long have you been out then? It was literally J- January the first last year. I decided it's my last meeting. I was I was sort of stretching it out the previous year and and I got to the end of last uh, not the end of last year the end of 2016 and I decided to start of 2017 that's me so just every year that you've made quick work of that then but it, it was a it was maybe a sort of a three to five year sort of awakening realization moving away stripping off every single responsibility and privilege like handing my talk slip back and saying, I don't qualify to read the Watchtower, so I don't qualify to read the Bible either. Thank you. I don't want to do any more talks. <laughs> Been on the school for 35 years and it, it's not working, obviously, <laughs> if I don't qualify to read. So I sh- shredded all of that and then it was easier to to miss meetings and move away. Did you go through a kind of grieving process? I'm still grieving, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. Yeah, because it's a it's a small town. Everyone's related. Everyone's intermarried. Everyone knows everybody's business. Oh bloody hell! You don't live on the Forest of Dean, do you? <laughs> forest? We got no forest here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were telling me about how you were grieving, and I just jumped in with a. <laughs> yes, yeah, so very serious point. <laughs> yeah, because you feel like. You're grieving, but nobody's dead, and and people have just been cut out of your life, uh, and that's the bizarre thing. I think I was talking to a family member who I I hadn't spoken to for best part of twenty years, uh, and we've just been getting reacquainted in this last year. But for me, it was just normal to to have nothing to do with him because he wasn't coming to the meetings, therefore. He's not part of the family anymore. And people are just quite happy to just cut people out of their lives for no reason other than the fact that they're not at the hall anymore. Yeah, it's really harsh. And I have, I have all these people saying, oh, oh, we really miss you. You're a lovely brother. We, we really enjoyed your talks. We loved your answers. Uh-huh. What about my friendship? <laughs> Did you, do you not miss that? If you did, you would have contacted me. You'd have been sitting in my living room, coming out for a drink, but no. What the mean is, your your presence made the meetings more bearable because you yeah, exactly. were probably yeah. intelligent and funny and gentle like all the nicest people are who leave. And the Kingdom Hall's just that bit drier and more boring. <laughs> it's like, we have to endure it. Why aren't you here as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why aren't you here? Be miserable with us. <laughs> yeah, we have to do it. But yeah, it is hard. And I have a special um, place of loathing in my heart for elders. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you did hint about that before, about how hard that is. Because my take on elders is they don't realise they have an easy authority that they don't understand they've got. They just think, like a like a pretty girl doesn't just thinks everybody's all really nice. <laughs> and she's like, oh, everyone's really nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same with the elders, that they don't, I don't think they understand that, that deference and that easy authority they have is because they've got a, a position. And like you say, when you don't have that anymore, you suddenly notice the difference. Yeah. I always remember I, I overtook a sister on the way to the assembly and she thought the speed limit was one thing, whereas I knew for a fact it was something else. And so I, I overtook her. We arrived at the assembly and she started sort of chastised me for speeding. And I was like, I wasn't speeding. 
and then the the Bible drama was Cora, and she came straight out to me after the song at the half and profusely apologised for, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't having a go at your authority and all this kind of stuff. I'm thinking, shut up. <laughs> but yeah, you get get all this adulation for no reason whatsoever, and and it it must be so easy to assume that you live in an eleven organisation because that's all you receive when you're in in that kind of position. You don't see the other side of it like the those elder school videos are right with the, one that's been done recently on youtube with the pioneers sitting there just saying right she doesn't qualify anymore i know how i felt when i voluntarily came off being a pioneer and, and the hole that, that that can can leave imagine these three men sitting there and just discarding someone did do you ever feel i mean did you ever make any difficult decisions when you were an elder that you now look back on and think uh yeah absolutely there was there was only one judicial i did where someone was disfellowshipped as a result and, and I, I look back and i regret that constantly uh, and the, the reason he was disfellowshipped was because he got the girl pregnant and wouldn't leave her and you think well, and now point. i think how ridiculous is that of course you can't leave her of course, he can't. She's going to be part of his life for the rest of his life. But we judge that as unrepentance. So was... repentance would have been if he'd left her. Yeah. When that happened, though, Kevin, did you feel that that was at that time you making that decision with the other elders, or did you have an awareness that you're just following the shepherd the flock book? So I've always wondered that about elders. I don't think they're making their own decisions in a lot no, of cases. No, it was literally by the book. And yeah. as a young elder, when you don't have ex- any experience, you go by the book. You can't go wrong if you go by yeah. the book. And I think that's where they lose the empathy. And, and I think it yeah. goes into even with, I mean, I'm not actually disfellowshipped, but um, when I've left, um, no, none of my old friends contacted me again. And I've actually spoken to family members who are elders and their attitude to me is that I chose to leave. So that's that then. Yeah, and, yeah. you left your friends. They didn't leave yeah, you. And, I, and I've not done that at all. I, You know, I just couldn't. It's not that I chose not to believe. I just failed to be convinced of the message as I was growing up. But, yeah, they lose the empathy. They just don't seem to be able to relate to what we're feeling. And I think that is because Watchtower's teachings is, is so following the book, following the rule. And it's yeah. a lot of nitpicking and. It's completely legalistic how yeah. they, they run things. And I, I was deeply troubled when they got rid of the district overseers and sacked all of the old circuit overseers because that meant all the men with heart and experience were all now put to the side and you've got just young bookmen that are just going to follow the letter of the law and the, the legal side of it and, and it's a much harsher place as a result. Yeah. Well, I think it gives Watchtower more control in that sense. Um, yeah, they can control the younger men easier yeah. and get a, a sort of a, a well, standardised result. from. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get, you know, a body of elders making all the decisions rather than looking to one or two individuals who might make a little bit more common sense decisions. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's sad, really. Your situation really does give people hope because you kind of, I kind of think, oh, it was, this guy's an elder, he'll never wake up, but... Clearly, elders, even even elders who you think would never wake up, can wake up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the thing that slows can slow it down is you're just preparing the next meeting item. You're just f- following the next script. You know, it's a very shallow. You think they, you know, these are men that know their Bible, but they don't. They just know those little set of scriptures for each of those normal problems, but they don't. They're not deep Bible students because they simply don't have time. Um, but it only takes one little knock. You can have it, you know, that somebody's daughter gets caught smoking and so they are no longer an elder. And then that little bit of trauma in their life can be enough to, to wake them up. Yeah. Um, so, so somebody that I interviewed recently said cognitive dissonance is a good thing because it's only when things are jarring in your mind that it makes you think about them. Mm. If everything's going smoothly and there's no dissonance, then you're assuming that, it, like you say, it's a nice, loving, 
organisation. It's only when you come up against an issue or a problem or you feel some cognitive dissonance or you feel torn over something that you start thinking around it. So actually, discomfort is not a bad thing for Jehovah's Witnesses. It's not the worst thing that they can feel awkward or uncomfortable about. I remember uh, the elder that took our watchtower for a number of years when it came round to doing the a change of the generation. There was a series of years where they changed it two or three times. And he said, I can't take the watchtower that week because I just don't believe it. And the other, the other elves went, oh, come on now. <laughs> You'll be all right. Just just cover the material. And so that's what he did. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. And so the, there are there are elders that sit there and they read their assignments and they go, this doesn't make sense. So I got given, a, after I stopped being an elder, I got given this talk on the rapture why we don't tease the rapture. I'm like, but we do. Yeah, you we do. just don't call it the rapture, but how do you think these governor body members are going to get to heaven before I'm again? You've got to be raptured, haven't you? Yeah. So I, was, I just handed it back and said, I can't do this. Oh, never mind. That's all right. <laughs> you thought maybe I was away on holiday or something. I'm like, no, I just can't do this. Good for you for standing up, though, and actually handing it back, because so many obviously wouldn't do that they just it's do what you're told to do and yeah, just cover the material i mean did, did you find a bit of a did they hit back at that or did they just say oh that's fine and and all is good uh, they didn't question it they just assumed i was somewhere oh. else i guess okay but that's interesting so do you do you take a lot of your personal experiences into your lego videos a lot of it is generic I do have some sort of bigger stories that I want to do that are very personal and, and directly to my story, but I kind of sort of concerned that it'll be just too obvious, you know. Well, the, the first yeah. the first couple of videos I I ever did, nothing to do with Lego. I used this sort of voice synthesizer thing to to make it a voice for me because I thought if I put my voice on, I'd just know it's me, obviously. Um, but then I thought, oh, stuff it, I don't care anymore. <laughs> mm, you. Can I play the little clip from the Beard Fraction video? Yes. <laughs> One of our loving shepherds has spotted a problem. Ah, oh, no, Brian, no. Eh? What's the problem? Brian, you have a beard. <gasps> Beards? No, no, Jehovah hates beards. Unless, of course, you're in a Bible drama. They're okay. Eh? What about Malcolm here? He's got a moustache. That's the same thing. No, 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 no. Moustache is okay, right? Because that's like a beard fraction. You have a whole beard. Jehovah hates whole beards. Beard fractions, that's a conscience matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I literally said that to someone at the hall. He comes walking up to me. He's the kind of person that thinks it's okay to pat a pregnant woman's belly. He he comes up and he he rubs my beard. And and he's like, what's that on your face? So I said, oh, does Jehovah only allow beard fractions? I suppose, because he had a moustache, you see. I suppose the moustache is a conscious matter, is it? But Jehovah hates all beards. And he literally walked backwards away from me, wagging his finger at me with a sort of a little knowing smile. I, I don't know what you did there. But, <laughs> but no, I, I recognise that. That's a joke, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard, heard of those. Of See, that probably made him really angry because he's got to go home and admire your wit now. And <laughs> you probably thought you were really clever. As he brushes his moustache. Yes. <laughs> it can be savage, can't it, wit? Because it does get gets to the point. Yeah, many a thing said in jest. <laughs> it's kind of even better than that. It, it's not like a passive-aggressive, I'm um, no, cracking a no. joke because I don't say it. It's, it's cleverer than that. It's making a point without the other without arguing yeah yeah because there is no there was no counter argument to what i said to him it was brutally honest but i was laughing (laughs) you had a beard you can't have been an elder then or were you no that was that was my sort of show of defiance in the last six months before i left right Mm. 
I, I quite like the idea that patting, that stroking somebody's beard to the equivalent of patting a pregnant woman's back. <laughs> <laughs> It's just as inappropriate, surely. Yeah, it is. It's a bit, yeah, you don't. You wouldn't just go up to someone and yeah, and have a little grow up of the beard, would you? I'm thinking about <laughs> it now. Thinking of it, I probably would because I'm really inappropriate. But would a normal person? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, don't judge us all by your standards, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, you're gonna have a Lego empire soon. <laughs> Are you prepared for, for burgeoning fame while, while being under the radar? It's weird because I, I look at my channel and I think, this person's done nothing and they've got like a bazillion views. <laughs> yeah, they've done yeah. a Cocomento challenge. They're a 14-year-old boy and they've done a, they've done a Top Bins challenge and six million other 14-year-old boys have watched. Exactly. I've slaved over this for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and I got nothing, yeah. Because of course, because of course, YouTube's changed their their position now on um, people that can be monetized, and you have to have not only a thousand subscribers, you need to have two hundred and forty thousand minutes of watch time in the last twelve months. Right. So when you've got short videos like five minutes, there's no mean feat to get two hundred and forty thousand minutes. Oh wait, is that why people do long videos? That's partly why, yeah. Well, is that why? Yeah, we keep seeing the magic ten-minute mark come up on my uh, everything that I watch, and then they always get just one more advert in and things like that. Yeah, yeah. People, uh, partly the the advert revenue is kind of connected the algorithm to the length of the video as well. Yeah. I can't sustain more than ten minutes of funny. <laughs> Well, like, when I started, I was going to be I'm like, five minutes is the absolute max. And then I'm like, six, seven, <laughs> two part. <laughs> yeah, two parts is good. I like that. Because I was quite excited about the second part, the blood one. Yeah, but then when it's a letdown. <laughs> <when it's... laughs> well, don't, no, don't say that because I'm like you. I cannot watch my old videos. I just can't watch. Once I've done them and I've reviewed it and I think, yeah, it's okay. It goes up and then I completely forget about it. And then people will go, oh, when you said this or when you said that. And I go, I think, oh, hey, that's really funny. Was that me? <laughs> that's quite funny. But I can't watch them because I look like a twat. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me as well, I, I, I'm recording the audio and then I'm editing the audio and then I'm playing the audio back when I'm trying to do the video clip uh, of filming and then I get to do the editing and I'm listening to it again and then I finalise it and I render it and I listen to it to make sure everything's in place and so by the time I put it on YouTube I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah, you've heard it a thousand times. Yeah, you need you kind of need fresh ears, don't you, to um but but yeah. then but then people viewing it is fresh ears. That the the proof is in the pudding and it will just keep on growing because once people get like i when i first saw yours which wasn't that long ago i was like how the hell have i missed this this is brilliant <laughs> yeah it'll grow the other thing is you just leave it on youtube and because yeah. new people are coming out all the time and they really really need that funny stuff they honestly they do exactly that's what i was thinking i thought regardless of i mean the monetary side of it is handy and that it would help me get more lego sales but I don't want to be asking human beings for money. I don't mind asking Google for money. But ultimately, I'm not in it for any monetary gain. And so it can just be there for as long as YouTube's on on the Internet. And so others can hopefully benefit in the future, even when I'm long since finished doing it. Yeah, oh, definitely, without a doubt. Even like I haven't, I don't think I've done one since Christmas. And I do probably do one every one every three months now, if that. But you still get comments and things from people that are just fine. Yeah, and what I really like is because, like, I'm a little secret squirrel, and people, I don't, I'm not really that well known with the comedy, and very kind of very small audience. So sometimes somebody will contact me and go, "Oh, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this girl? She's quite funny." And, go, <laughs> and then, yeah. and then they'll go, "Oh, it's you!" And I quite like that. I quite like when somebody discovers the connection. <laughs> oh, I've not come across you before, so I like the little kind of it's a nice little secret little thing to find. But I think yours will go big and um, popular because they're very funny and Carter, they're so clever. I just I just hope that it's something different for people to, to hear the message, but and and can even share with a Jehovah's Witness that might 
might allow that to just filter in without it being too harsh. Because when I was a witness, like we watched The Life of Brian, me and my family, when I, I think I was a teenager, which was a massive no-no, but it was just so funny that we couldn't stop ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I did a video recently for someone down in Portsmouth and I got one of his actual recordings of talking to someone from the West Country and he literally asked him, so who are you with then? And he's like, oh, I don't go to any church. And he goes, oh, so you're just an individual then, are you? <laughs> he's like, he goes, well, yeah, we're all individuals. <laughs> I'm like, life of Brian. <laughs> <laughs> we're an autonomous collective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're all individuals. Oh, I'm not. It's nice talking to you, but you, you've got like a really sad voice. <laughs> Oh, do I? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't mean sad as in pathetic. I mean... you, should, you should see my sad eyes. Oh, no, don't! <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, there's obviously a lot of depth behind the humour. Chris, have you got any other questions that you want to ask before we go on to our next one? Um, no, I think we've... Uh... I think I've asked all the questions that I had written down. In fact, you asked them all. But that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've thrashed this bad boy to death, haven't we? My partner's here. He wants to say something to you, Kevin. Hello. Hi. How did you do the helicopter bit in Does, Ma- Does Blood Matter, the first stage, the first part? Because that looks really good. There's no, ca- there's no strings. There's nothing. How did you do that? So uh, I had to, like for the takeoff, for example, you have to... Add, I use clear bricks, but obviously they would still show up. And you have to add bricks to underneath the helicopter to raise it up with each different picture. And then you have to go into a photo editing software, cut out all of those bricks. So every single shot, every single frame had to be edited and then put back together again. But what you do is you take a picture with no helicopter in it and then a picture with all, all the helicopter movements. And then when you blank out, the the Lego bricks that you don't want it just reveals the background from the blank shot it doesn't take you but still it's a lot of pictures to go through so the helicopter scene in total how long would that take you yeah see that that takes me as as long as it takes to normally film a whole episode wow it it, it was so it was very impressive I must admit that was that was very very good feature film type thing it's brilliant I hope I'm hoping to be able to use some of the hospital and helicopter scenes in future episodes where they're having to refilm it. That's, that's, that's the good thing about collecting all of these pictures. I can re- reuse some of them sometimes. I'm sure they did that in Trumpton. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Matt, before you go, while Matt's here, I've just got to tell you this. He's going to Kingdom Hall on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to go to the 7 o'clock meeting because I've, I've got to understand it more for myself because, yes, I, I get Louise's... <laughs> life through it and how she was brought up in it but I just want to meet the people that are in it actually see what kind of people they really are whether the love and action yeah whether I'm going to feel really sorry for them you know whether they're just you know not it's not don't 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 want this to seem sad, uh, mean but whether they're just simple yeah you know what drives them really so um I'm not going to you know I'm just going to really try and get as much information as I can from them really I know. I think it. I, I I tend to think it's the drive is doing enough to not die at Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to do. I hope Armageddon doesn't come soon. I haven't done enough. Is was something I heard my whole life. Matt reckons he can be an elder in a year. I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> my worry is is that it will bring out all the badness in me. <laughs> that I will want to start abusing people because I can, not because I should and shouldn't. But because all these vulnerable people around me, and I want to go, I want some of that. And that's probably why. And you're going to need like a button um, camera or a pen camera or something like that. Oh my God, this is my partner. I'm going to where the vulnerable people are to see if I can abuse them. I have to live with this. But I am going to wear a suit. He's going to wear a suit so they make him an elder quicker. <laughs> He's going to get baptized at the next convention, isn't he? Yeah, you, yeah, you'll be interviewed this time next year at the assemblies. Well, yeah. <laughs> Coming from a divided household. He <laughs> says to me, "If I if I end up being an elder, you're going to have to start doing things round here." <laughs> <laughs> I can feel a comedy video coming on after. Okay, so we had one last thing to discuss. If you'd stay with us, Kevin, you might want to comment or you might not. But 
we don't want to let you go. So, um, Chris, you pinged me an article, didn't you, earlier in the week? Yeah. Uh, in Finland. It's actually, it's a curious one, this one. I don't understand exactly why Finland particularly stand out here, because there's new EU regulations regarding data protection. Now, a lot of people will probably be aware of this because pretty much every company that collects data on their customers will have to go by some new laws. They come into action in May. And basically, the out- to outline the new law is that if you're collecting data from people previously, you norm- you'd have to tick boxes or untick boxes and say you don't want them sharing your details and all these things. The main changes now, obviously, with new technology are that apps and websites can take things like location data, your contacts that you have in your phone book, um, all these kinds of things. And to protect them, the new laws have become very, very strict. So any company or organization that collects any kind of personal data that is not necessary for their goals and aims. So if you're a shop selling somebody something, you're going to post it, you'll need their address, but you wouldn't need their date of birth, their gender, their orientation or their location, you know, any of the extra details that you don't really need. So in Finland, a news story came out this week where the Jehovah's Witnesses have been questioned over taking notes at the end of people's driveways after knocking on their doors. Mm. Now, it's a bit of an odd one, this, because I've never looked at that as a particular concern, if I'm honest. I think, obviously, from my days back in in the organisation, the details we were taking were generally things, you know, they had children, so they might be interested in family matters, or even things like they mentioned that a family member died recently or anything like this. It makes it obviously the return visits a lot easier if you've written down their name, if you've got it, the approximate age, obviously house number. Now, with these new laws, they won't be allowed to do this. The only way they can write down your personal details will be if they've got your permission. So previously, I, I don't I don't recall the Jehovah's Witnesses ever being questioned on this because Obviously, if you didn't want to give your details at the door, you would just shut the door. So now there's no longer this case of you have to opt out of giving people your details. They have to now ask, which changes things a little bit, because I I don't think if I mean, if I didn't know anything about the witnesses and they came to my door and they asked me some questions and I just took a leaflet to make them go away. If they then stopped me and said, do you mind if I write down that we spoke today and your age and your gender and your all these things i'd just be like i'd rather you didn't you know and um the funny thing in finland is that it's already even though the laws haven't fully come into effect i don't know whether it's maybe finland have locally have enforced the law sooner than everybody else but it's already in the well, I believe it's in the High Court in Finland. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of it. It's obviously kind of a new thing this week. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on that because it'll be a, it might just set a precedence. And from our point of view, I, I don't think there's a lot I can do with it. But I think if I do speak to the witnesses and they start making notes without asking me, I, I'm the sort of person to make a fuss. But it might have bigger implications for all the other data that they keep, like, you publish your records and when you leave and if you've been disfellowshipped and all that stuff. Now, I applied for my data under the Data Protection Act and you pay a tenner and you, I wrote to three different congregations and they all said that they didn't have anything. But mm. that, that's not, that can't be right. That's, uh, and I'll tell you one thing, Lou, is actually if you go on to uh, JW.org, I know it's going to be hard to do that without feeling awkward, um, but if you go on there, they do actually outline their data privacy policies and um it's bizarre because as a as part of the law if you've got a legitimate reason to keep data then you can kind of get around it and they've already on their website got quite a lengthy explanation as to why they keep data and they've got kind of an excuse that one of the main pieces of data they will keep on you forever will be in the Bethel and it will be your status as regards disfellowshipping, uh, whether you're baptised and things like that. Now, obviously, we'll never know how strict that is, whether they do keep the records. I'd like to think they don't have records on me. You know, I do have family in, so it's possible. You can.
can ask to see any any um, data that's saved on you, can't you? Because this is what we've been talking about at work, like with emails and things. We've been saying yeah. you've got to be really careful, yeah. like talking about people, because if somebody says, I want to see all the data that you've got on me, we've got to produce everything. Although I did say, well, if you said you didn't have any, how would they? How do you, how do you prove yeah. that? Yeah. I, I know with the, the, the field service thing in the UK, when the, the Data Protection Act first came out a number of years ago, they were like, oh, quick, get rid of the S8 forms, no more writing down not homes and angry bitch with dog and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You couldn't put that in the remarks column. And then they, after a number of years of people writing and scribbling on their own personal notes, which wouldn't be attributed to Watchtower by Montrack Society, they decided, oh, we'll just use them old forms again. But they stopped writing on, because on the back of a map, you used to write down all like the do not calls. That's right. And the, you would literally write down a description, you know, <laughs> scruffy, scruffy man with beard or <laughs> angry woman, don't call and all this kind of stuff. And they they were quite, quite rigid at correcting that and just putting little acronyms down <laughs> instead of two or three letters to describe it. So that yeah, a big number 23. But as for the current situation, I don't know. If you were a scruffy man with a beard and you wrote to watch society and said, <laughs> I, I want to know, I want to see a copy of everything that you've got on me. <laughs> Scru- <laughs> Name, scruffy. I know scruffy. references to scruffy man with beard. <laughs> and then they had to go back the year after and say, are you the same scruffy man with the beard that still doesn't want us to talk? <laughs> No, I've got a beard fraction now. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I see. So that was one thing they did refer to in this court case, EU Advocate General's note, because they they tried to say that it was only um, members gathering notes individually and therefore it didn't breach the EU Privacy Directive. And the Advocate General said that the group was centrally organised and that prior to this dispute they, they had been issued with printed forms, which are obviously the S8s. So you can't pretend that it's not centrally directed when they're printing S8 forms and handing them out to everyone. I think it's a good leverage because I think there's bigger issues about data, especially with that leak of all those those 34 documents about the child abuse thing. You know, yeah. there is other data that they have on people that is arguably a lot more dangerous than, than Scruffy Man with Beard at number 10. Well, even people that get this fellowship, they want to know if... You know, if you move to another town and somebody calls on you and you say I'm disfellowship, that they'll they'll want to sort of track who you are and where you've come from so they can update records so that they absolutely keep but records. On that note, though, if they're forced to delete that data, so if they're no longer because obviously the courts aren't going to recognise whether you're disfellowshipped or not as a legitimate reason for keeping data, but if they had to delete that data, then potentially you've moved to a new town. You could technically refellowship yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Chris yeah. has just invented something. <laughs> hey, they invent words. I'm going to invent some too. The anti-theocratic language. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna refellowship myself, and then I'm gonna fade all just by deleting my data. Is that be like the unpure language? <laughs> I think we should trademark that for the podcast, and yeah. then we can <laughs> we can start a refellowship movement of <laughs> of secret secretly disfellowshipped people. Do you have to? Do you have to go down the local swimming pools to get refellowship? Yeah. You've got to do it backwards. You've got to get Kevin to, to stop motion video. You're going backwards out of a pool. And your fella can be our group overseer. I think we're in business, gentlemen. I think we're going to work on that. Well, Brother Chris, would you like to introduce the closing song that you've chosen for our <laughs> guest? Okay. Yeah, so... You 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 asked me obviously to choose a song, and given the situation that this is actually the first time that either of us have the pleasure of speaking to Kevin, knowing not very much about Kevin other than that he's very secretive, so I thought, well, you know, all these videos uh, that you do that are so amusing on Dubtown, most of them because they're ho- they're horrible subjects that we have to cover, but you always find the funny side in it, the positive side in it. So I thought that a bit of Frank Sinatra, That's Life, would be good. And this is actually a, a really modern version of it. It's by Proly R, and it's a tribute. And, uh, yeah, I love it. I think it's brilliant, and I think it's quite fitting. So hope everybody enjoys it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin, for being interviewed. It's been really nice. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Brother Chris, for being my co-host. That's fine, Sister Louise. Thank you. <laughs> we shall be speaking to you again soon. 
so thank you very much to my oh i've just got to say this before we finish chris you said you met three of my two listeners <laughs> <laughs> yes i did <laughs> So thank you. I didn't believe they existed, but he actually sent me a photo. They're real people. Yeah, which really scared me because I, what the fuck? These are real people. They are real people, and they're wonderful people. And um, a big note that I don't think you maybe realise yourself is that it helps people a lot. You know, seeing the the more light-hearted side of the organisation, I think it does people a lot of good. So hopefully, you and I can keep doing this for quite some time. I certainly hope so, and I'll speak to you next time. Thank you, both viewers, for listening to JW Podcast. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm going to change. When I'm back on top, back on top in June, I said that's life, and as funny as it may seem, some people get their kicks, stomping on a dream, but I don't let it, let it get me down, cause this fine old world, it keeps spinning around. I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn and a king. I've been up and down and over and out. And I know one thing. Each time I find myself flat on my face, I pick myself up and get back in the race. That's life. That's life. I tell you, I can't deny it. I thought of quitting, baby. But my heart just ain't gonna buy it And if I didn't think it was worth one single try I'd jump right on a big bird And then I'd fly I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet A pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out And I know one thing Each time I find myself Laying flat on my face I just pick myself up and get back in the race. That's life. That's life. And I can't deny it. Many times I thought I'd cut now, but my heart won't buy it. But if there's nothing shaking, come this here July. I'm gonna roll myself up in a big ball. And...